Blog Talk Radio. This is your host, Bernice Alexander Bennett, and joining me today is Ted Ellis for a discussion about narrative art capturing the African-American experience. Ted Ellis graduated over 20 years ago from Dillard University with a B.S. in chemistry and worked as an environmental chemist for eight years. He then began his professional career as a full-time artist, receiving national recognition and acclaim with his narrative paintings about African-American history, culture, and lifestyle. Well, his desire and interest to further impact the world of art led him to obtain his M.A. in Museum Studies at Southern University in New Orleans. That learning experience was priceless. His master thesis project, 400 Years African American Commemorative Art Exhibition, chronicling the African American struggle, resiliency, perseverance, and triumph from 1619 to 2019, debuted in Washington, D.C., and is now at Old Dominion University. Currently, he is the vice chair for the 400 Years of African American History Commission and committee chair for the preservation of African American history, entertainment, sports, and culture. So let me just give a warm welcome to Ted Ellis. Welcome, Ted. Wow, thank you, Bernice. That was a great introduction. It has been a um, a journey, and it's a continuous journey, you know, moving in my passion and purpose to, um, you know, to tell our narrative, our story. Well, why don't we start off in the beginning so that everybody understands. Tell us what is an art narrative. So it basically is, you know, it's telling a story. It's a, it's a pictorial essay. Um, you know, mine is one to, um, to tell that story of the African-American human condition, you know, here in America. And um, so I work aggressively, um, um, you know, doing research and, um, and, and having my interpretation as it's chronicled and, and then um, executing it on canvas. Um, it is it is a story, 
you know, that depicts our time. Um, sometimes, you know, a narrative painter can paint about religion. You know, it could paint about, um, you know, mythology, you know, legends, stories, folklore. Um, I'm in that same vein like Jacob Lawrence with his migration series, um, his two cent overture series. Um, we have, you know, several dynamic contemporary African-American artists that are narrative painters. Um, I would say our young, um, if you want to have some parallels, is Kadir Nelson, um, just an incredible force that speaks through his art. Um, I would consider him the Norman Rockwell of, of African-American culture. Um, and he's doing wonderful, wonderful renditions and, and storytelling through his art. You know, just recently he did a piece for The New Yorker um, with George Floyd, and it, it, and it also illustrates those who also suffered the atrocities of police brutality. And it, and, and it also chronicles um, African-American history from 1619 to our current um, position where we are right now. And that's so powerful. Uh, it, it has been floating around Facebook, but it is just such a powerful uh, rendition of the struggle, basically. So let's go back to something you said earlier. And I want to know, why are you so passionate and purposed about painting images of African-American lifestyle when you can create other subject matters? Well, um, you know, I just, I, I think images are everything. I think uh, equally important is, is our culture and, um, and having an understanding of our history. Uh, a lot of times it's, it's not written, and if it is written, sometimes it's myth. But that, that visual iconography, those symbols can be seen and interpreted. Um, at every age, um, it enlightens the curiosity um, it, 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 what it does, it provides an opportunity for engagement. So, so it's critically important that I'm able to, um, to take control of the canvas and, and, and message with that. So if it's a pictorial narrative of Buffalo soldiers or an anthology of African-Americans in religion or my series on African-Americans in a medical profession or the legal profession, you know, it, it can impact. And then it's just giving that opportunity to breathe and to live. You know, art says nothing, but it says everything. So, so we just need to have that opportunity to, to see the importance of it. So I take the time and the effort to be very intentional about what I paint. Now, you know, sometimes I pause and I'll go and do a landscape and a seascape or a still life. But I know it's necessary that we need to own our history and our culture. We need to define mm -hmm. that for ourselves from our point of reference. And, and it's critically important that the artist take charge in that and, and, and that level of responsibility. You know, we, we do it in poetry. We, we do it in song and dance. And we do it in music. So why not, why not take the time? and the energy and leverage your passion for even a greater good to enlighten others. So is there always a message in your art? Well, you know, yeah, there are degrees of messaging. You know, for mine is, is that, you know, know your history. You know, it's, it's, mm -hmm. it, you, you need to own your history. Um, you know, I, um, working at the federal level, you know, I understand, I'm understanding a little bit more about policy. 
you know, and how policy um, turns into laws and, and laws affect how we live. But I also know that, you know, policies are culturally centered, you know, um, how we live, who, who we are, and uh, that impacts what determines um, the outcome of communities. And so if I can specifically focus on the intentionality of my importance, of who I am and where I came from and what I stand for, then, 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 then folks will, will realize the significance of the urgency of looking out for my welfare. And if you can't speak to that or understand that, then, then you have no identity. So everything we do is about identity and ownership. Oh, very interesting. So let's talk for a minute about Juneteenth. Since we will be celebrating Juneteenth tomorrow, and I, I really want to call this the pre-Juneteenth show. So what wow. has been your involvement with Juneteenth? So, you know, um, you know I'm originally from Louisiana, and um, we didn't have the – and moved to, um, to Texas. And I just found out that, you know, there was a, a lot of enthusiasm and uh, participation around um, Juneteenth. Initially, I just thought it was just a picnic. But what I found out was that, you know, um, two years outside of signing the Emancipation Proclamation, General Gordon Granger um, came to Galveston, Texas, and ushered in Executive Order Number 3 saying, cease and this slavery is over with. So it has been our actual day of liberation when slavery, slavery officially had completely ended by the federal government. Well, in 2006, my good friend Sam Collins had acquired this property, um, Stringfellow Orchards, and it has a, it has a, rich, a rich Confederate uh, history. He decided to celebrate and commemorate Juneteenth, and it was a totally comprehensive program um, that year, 2006, he had the Buffalo Soldiers, which at the time, you know, you had some free color troops, but, but they came on with their horses on his property. He had reenactment from Harriet Tubman and Frederick Douglass. He had the old tradition of everybody in the community, Hispanics, African-Americans, Caucasians, to share their stories and, and narratives. Now, not the biggest Juneteenth um, program, but one of the most significant programs that I had seen, um, you had a gentleman playing the, um, playing the drums, the African drums on the property. And I took the liberties to, to paint that whole time. It was about three hours we were out there. At the very end of it, everybody gathered in a circle, and that's when the, the great orator, Frederick Douglass, came in and made one of his speeches. It was a reenactment but it was quiet and you had these big seminal oak trees and you heard the wind blowing through it. And you could just imagine the past, but you also saw the future in us trying to heal, trying to propagate um, respect for one's um, history, uh, to make atonements and so forth and whatnot. It was a, uh, a revealing moment of the potential of where we could, where we could be. I started painting um, this piece that I initially, I, after was, when it was finished, called Free at Last. And it, it had a tremendous amount of symbolism in that piece. You had the um, enslaved African with hand over heart, head held high with tears running down his eyes, um, with the chains broken. You had the matriarch 
telling the story to the next generation. She had a quilt. She was in a rocker. And the quilt was, you thought it was unraveling, but it was like saying our story continues to build. You had the matriarch on one side, you know, um, and it looked like Frederick Douglass. And they're at this table, and they're, 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 they're sharing the stories and, and, um, and talking about the past and, and moving forward. Harriet Tubman in the painting is pointing to this way north, to the North Star for Freedom. And the tree, the roots ran deep down. And you had the talking drum there, how we, com- how we communicated from plantation to plantation. And on top of the house, you had the centurions, the, the free-colored troops that were watching vigilant. In the very back, when you look at the painting, you have three crosses, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, you know, faith and salvation that we hold fast to get us through it. And on the family, on, on the porch, you had the whole family holding, holding hands, with their heads bowed, um, you know, saw that we've, we've come back as a unit where we're, 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 we were broken, but we're being repaired. And then you subtly saw the Emancipation Proclamation embedded into the house. And, and if you step back away from the painting, you saw the outline of the state of Texas representing that Juneteenth, um, the end of slavery was right here in Galveston. Uh, fast forward 2015, it was recognized as the official piece for the 150th anniversary of Juneteenth. It showcased um, on the House and the Senate side the, the Rayburn building as, as well as the, um, the Rotunda. And um, a proclamation was, was advanced and given on recognizing the importance of, of Juneteenth and me as the um, ambassador for Juneteenth from the National Juneteenth Organization that Ron Myers had been championing throughout the country to get Juneteenth as a national holiday for the for 20 years. Now, he has passed on, but his good work con- continues with his organization and those throughout the United States. So that has, that has been um, my participation with Juneteenth, which will be tomorrow. Um, we will have several commemorations, um, parades, and acknowledgments um, on the importance of Juneteenth and tie it into what is, what is transpiring right now. You know, what do we need to do as a country? And total liberation, how, how that affects us and how we live. So we have to look at the, at the core of what drives this country. You know, we look at pro- police brutality, but we got to also look at the laws that 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 shape and frame that kind of behavior, and we have to mm-hmm. deconstruct that, and and we all have to be a part in this process. I am um, I'm so glad and so happy that we look at this peaceful um, form of resistance that has been so efficient in in mobilizing people not only in America but throughout the world. And, and that it has been sustainable and that change, we are in the midst of change, constructive change. And, um, and we're doing it with an act of civility that's, that's counter to, to what we have encountered, you know, for 400 plus years. And that shows the highest level of, of, of human 
compassion and, and growth and evolution. So you can't look at us and, and demonize us and, and villainize us. I mean, you you have to look at us and say, you know, to have that kind of strength to endure and survive. You know, I just watched the um, documentary of Emmett Till and realized that with, with you know, 1955 was still was still facing the same issues, the same problems, the same challenges for equitability, you know, and humanity in America. We we got to do better. We got to be better, and um and 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 we gotta we 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 gotta invest in 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 the best of humanity, and 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 and, and this is what you're seeing right now. The revolt, you know, is for the compassion for us to be better and do better. And not only that, but, you know, I want to just say not only that, but just listening to you, I I hear the passion in your voice. And to be able to turn around and interpret everything that you're seeing on canvas, to tell that story, this is a story that will, will go on forever because you have captured it at that moment as you describe what happened on that first Juneteenth and how you have shown the the transition in the through the different stages. I mean, it it's just just remarkable. I was there, I was at the Capitol. I know what you're talking about when you're talking about your art. And then talking about what's going on now, you're also capturing the images in canvas about what's going on now. So tell us, you went back to school after 21 years to earn a master's in museum studies. Why? You know, you know first of all, you know, it was a little bit scary um, going back to school. Uh, you know, I've been working, uh, you know, more than 25 years as a professional artist, um, you know, engaging, you know, whether that's at outdoor events, that's conventions, um, you know, participating um, in the academic environment from, you know, K through 12, post-secondary opportunities. Um, and I thought about it. I said, you know, um, you know, what else I want to do? How else do I want to um, make a substantial contribution that will sustain and impact and, and, show, and show our values, African-Americans, um, on a, on, a, on a national, international um, level. And I says, you know, I, I, I need to maybe pivot and, um, and look at policy and programming and, um, and, and, and impact in, in, in that area. You know, certainly, you know, I've created enough images over the years to impact. Now is the groundwork to look out for others who are coming behind me doing important work and recognizing those who have already created important works that they get visible. And, um, and that's, that's given it that kind of opportunity through the museum institutions. And so I thought it was critically important that I learned the front end and back end of museums initially. And, 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 and so I enrolled in a wonderful program at Southern University in New Orleans, and the museum studies program. And, and, and I think I was, well, I know I was right on point, you know, this just was the right time. We talked about museums being the informal process of, of learning, of what people learn at their pace and their leisure. They get to ingest it. So they get to look at objects and artifacts and, and interpret. And I said, okay, 
That's where we need to be at. That's where I need to be at. People need to understand that, that, that our communities have valued objects and artifacts that need to come to life. Not only just the art, but, but, but instruments of, 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 of recognition, historical instruments that we harbor from our family. And you will see some of, of those objects and artifacts at the Smithsonian National Museum of African American um, History and Culture if you were, were to visit. But also that's critically important. We need to have continued funding programs to develop um, cultural activities that will celebrate and commemorate our achievements, you know, through struggle, um, through challenges, you know, through an act of perseverance that, that we're, in, we're important. And so um, it also gave me a, a high level of validation that for the last 25 to 30 years I was doing what was right you know, of documenting mm-hmm. our culture and, and sharing our stories and present an honest narrative about our level of resiliency. Grant, to say that we're important, we matter, you know, we've contributed to the foundation of this country in building, not only the United States, but globally, when you look at the impact of free labor. And so we also need to be able to deliver that narrative from our point of reference. And, and tell our own story. So that's why I decided to get my, my master's. My intention is to also go back to school and get my doctorate and, um, and further advance th- those academic ideologies that will advance our, our positions as, as human beings, as African-Americans, and, and what we've been able to give to society and share. Well, best of luck with it pursuing further education, and certainly you will be a force uh, to deal with when you get on the academic uh, trail and start teaching and preaching and letting people know why it's so important for us to tell our story and use art as a way of expressing that story. So you mentioned earlier, and I'm, I'm going back and forth, because you were talking about what's going on now and then looking back historically. So what are you doing to create, um, to create something that will speak through your art about what's happening now? Yeah, um, wow. Um, you know, we, we're just um, – you know, we're, we're faced with multiple challenges here, you know, with um, this ongoing racial pandemic, uh, this economic pandemic, this health pandemic. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's a critical um, time in our existence. But we, we, we always grab hold to um, faith and, and hope. And, and, and being a, a creative, you know, one of enlightenment, one of healing, you know, how do you how do you see how do you feel that you can bring about some healing in that? So you know you know early on um, um, and, and looking at the, the crisis that we were facing, um, you know through 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 the the um, health side of it, you know the the threat that was posed, um, the compassion of those who put themselves in service and put their life on the line. Which was the front liners, front liners, um, the folks in the um, medical profession. I um, did a series of about uh, seven paintings um, 
that spoke on the compassion to heal, um, you know, you know, putting himself in jeopardy for others. And I, I just thought that was extremely admirable. Um, the media um, um, picked up on that as well and started showing the unselfish sacrifice of, of those on, on the front line. Um, and, um, you know, beyond that, you, you, um, even more of a sense of urgency and importance, how people put their life on the line to protest against the injustices of police brutality and the murders that were happening, uh, very aggressively, um, at the hands of, of the, of the police, um, upon, um, African-Americans. And, um, it just, it was escalating. It continued to escalate. And, um, you know, in broad daylight being captured, you know, that, that, that folks could see it. And the catalyst, the straw that broke the camel's back was this officer casually, comfortably killing an African-American in the streets, you know, uh, you know, squeezing the life out of an individual when an individual was saying, I can't breathe. And it wasn't the first time that it happened. You know, um, I don't know if it was the shock value, enough of it is enough that people said this cannot be happening, should not be happening. So people got out in the street and protest and, and, and still are protesting, put their lives, you know, uh, in harm's way. They don't know how the police was going to react to them. And certainly this silent killer this of COVID, you know, the coronavirus, you know, definitely ever present right now in our midst. There's, there's, there's no antidote, you know, to stop this virus completely. Um, universal protests, sustainable protests. You know, it's well over over 20 days of continual pro- protests. And so, as an artist, you know, I looked at that and says, you know, you know, I got I have to capture that. I I have to stop what I'm doing right now and 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 focus on that. So in between my medical healing piece, I started on, um, on, on, on something that was therapeutic to me, too, as well, was my series of, of, of music, the color of music, and how music has permeated our communities globally, you know, and has been a social change agent um, for us just quietly at the conscious and subconscious level. But I thought, you know, right now in this moment, I have to capture it. So um, I did my uh, my take on it. Um, I incorporated um, us in that struggle up front, you know, with the signages, with movement, you know, um, you know, speaking. That change has to happen right now. And I titled the piece, you know, Our Time Has Come. And I posted, I posted on social media. And it went viral, and it's still going viral. Um, it's amazing how people have responded um, to that image, to speak to the times as well as speak to past, speak to the past, the past conditions that we've been faced with um, 400 years. And, 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 and enough is enough, you know, uh, not only African Americans, but, but, but folks of every origin um, is speaking you know, we're we're learning that the truth is powerful. The truth um, of of injustice. How what we need to do to correct that. And so that's my advocacy. 
you know, and change. I've always um, put myself in a position to try to be purposed in my art, you know, in my passion. And and this is indicative of it, you know, um, you know, being working hard to be strong enough to 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 say we have to be better as human beings. We also have to be civil in this. We, we you know, that is the highest calling of humanity is to push to, to, to towards care and love for each other. Not not hate. That's a destructive element. And uh, and certainly uh, not a virtue but a vice. And um, and it's one systemic problem that America has faced, you know, with with taking care. You know, being guardians. That's that's what the police is supposed to be for. Not a threat. Not a threat. Mm-hmm. You know, not to accelerate and escalate an engagement against its citizens of the United States. You know, we've got to be the example for the rest of the world. And so, you know, it's obvious, you know, um, looking, and, and it's simple that we can learn how powerful love and trust is. You know, we see it in the Word. We see it in the Bible. And, and being a religious-based country, we need to look and examine our principles and how how those principles are integrated into our policies and our laws. And if that needs to be changed and rewritten so that so that we won't have these systemic problems that we're faced, then that's what has to happen. But as a, as a creative, as an artist, one of enlightenment, one of healing, I will do my very best to put myself in service to speak to what needs to happen so that we can live equitably for our short time on this earth. That's who Ted Ellis so, is. That's, that's, that's who Ted is. Ellis is. That's right. And you mentioned our time has come. But so many people, the only thing we have is our time has come. People have seen it on the 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 protests on television, but they haven't been able to actually get out there and be a part of the the movement. But, you know, one of the things you and I talked about is, but how can you still capture the, capture the essence of what you experienced during that time? And we talked about your image, and let's look at young people for that matter. Young people experiencing this and having your image when they're 20 and 30 years old, what can they tell the people behind them about what it was like during that time, just using our time has come. Wow. You know, they'll, you know, like what we said earlier, you know, it's a narrative. It tells a story. Mm-hmm. It will, it will showcase that, that we stepped up and united together, you know, in civil protests against injustice you know, being enacted against people of color in the United States. And and that that it is a process. It's not going to just happen, you know, overnight. But you you see the change that are happening. You you see the images, the icons, the symbols of of oppression. Uh, you know, um you look at the Anjumimas, you know, um you look at the Confederate statues coming down, you know, in protest. You know, so, so it is happening. That painting will speak to that. That 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 the catalyst for that was the death of 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 of, of those individuals. That their lives were not lost in vain. You know mm-hmm. that they would be remembered 
you know, in the struggle for equality and equity, you know, and, 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 and just, you know, saying, I'm human. My life matters. All our lives matters. Pay attention. You know, because we have families too. We have mothers. We have fathers. We have sisters and brothers. You know, we have children just like you do. We dream. We hope. We live. We share. And my God, we, we have given the world so much under oppression. We have been so forgiving and losing our lives under oppression. Enough is enough. Enough is enough. So are you able to envision a better future? And if so, what does it look like? You know, our future is, is one of choice and action and work, you know, People of color and, and, and ethnicities, you know, all around the world are coming together, you know, to, to end injustice, to end police brutality, the murdering of African Americans, to look at a system that perpetuates mass incarceration of African Americans and people of color, you know, to look at the racial policies and laws, you know, out of Reconstruction, through the redemptive period, through the Jim Crow laws, our fight through civil rights and right now, you know, to eradicate discriminatory practices in the workplace, you know, it's so apparent. We, we, we face so many obstacles here. But the thought and the commitment and the action to stand together and to demand justice for all is who we are and what we see. So those dreams are fulfilled by our actions to, to work together to make constructive change, you know, to, 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 to eradicate an African-American being choked or shot in the back, you know, to stand up against injustice and to see it through, that we, that we, we move through the storm and we see the ray of hope, you know, that tomorrow will be better. Hope. We build hope. We build trust. And tomorrow will be better. And so, yeah, there's, there's hope for, for tomorrow. There's you know, hope if, for if tomorrow. That's, <laughs> so that's, there's you know, that's, that's hope that, for tomorrow. That, mm-hmm. that's, 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 and we do that with intention, intentionality, you know. Sure. And, um, sure. And, 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 and we'll get there. So, Ted, tell everyone how they can uh, pick up a copy or order a copy of Our Time Has Come or any of your other uh, narrative art pieces uh, that they may want to have in their collection. So I, w- I, would, I would love the appreciation if uh, folks could go and visit my website and if they can see all of my narrative art for the last 30 years, um, T. Ellis Fine Art. Um, dot com. I have a, a great um, program tomorrow, a virtual tour um, through Old Dominion University and their art department and African-American studies program. And, and we're going to walk through 400 years 
of contributions of African Americans chronicling our history. So that'll be a level of engagement. But tlsfineart.com is where you can go at, and if you want to um, make a purchase and um, and see see my, my my passion and my purpose and what I'm about and and what I um, intend to keep on doing. So thank you so much, Bernice. Well, thank you so much for joining me today to share with everyone about your passion for narrative art. And also, I'm just looking forward to every every new piece that you come up with, <laughs> every new well, image thanks. that's telling the story. And I know sometimes I, I wonder, how can somebody just sit there and look at what's going on and then capture everything, just tell the story? I mean, it's just like somebody writing a book. I mean, you come up with an outline and then you start filling it in, but, I mean, Gee, this is coming right out of what you're seeing, and you're oh, it's powerful. It's a, it, you know, it's immersion. You 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 put yourself in it, you feel it, and then mm-hmm. you know you you emote it out. Um, writers do it, you know, singers do it, uh, you know, dancers do it, poets do it, visual artists do the same thing. That 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 you know, that there's a need for artists. You you think about, and I want to go back to um, the the period when Birth of a Nation and and they used bogus scientific um, data to say that Africans and Negroes were less than human. You know they didn't have the capacity to think and learn. They they deconstructed the image of the Negro. That Du Bois thought it was very important with his colleagues that they had to reconstruct a whole new image. So that's from the reconstructive period to the redemptive period to the Harlem Renaissance. And so they gathered, they gathered, you know, all the creatives, particularly the writers, you know, to, to, to speak and to create the musicians, the, the poets, the comedians. Earl Neal Hurston was a phenomenal writer and comedian. The visual artists, you know, to tell Aaron Douglas, to tell that story to capture and create a new image, which the new Negro was birthed out of the Harlem Renaissance. That was the whole intentionality. And you see that happening all over again. You know, you will see the resurgence and the usefulness and uh, the value that artists have to offer because we, we, are, we are about telling our stories, you know, about capturing the moment, about being better and doing better to empower there's not a spot in my house that you don't walk and you don't feel invigorated about who you are and where you came from. I have been unapologetic in, in, in showing my resiliency, you know, that, that you own it. And, um, and I take it wherever I go, whether that's in a major corporation or an outdoor festival, you know, I wear it as a badge of honor. You know, my art and my culture is synonymous and it is priceless. Well, thank you. Well said, Ted Ellis. And I look forward to seeing all of your work in the future. So thank you so much for joining me today. And everyone, I look forward to you joining me next week. This is your host, Bernice Alexander Bennett. Thank you so much, Ted. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you, Bernice.